motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. So the first one I've got here, Carl, is uh, that mania is now going to be over two days. Um, which is probably a little bit old news by now, but we'll we obviously we haven't talked about it yet on the podcast, so I just wanted to raise that one. Um, so, what do you think about this whole uh, moving it to a two day? I mean, now? it's not ideal, is it? I think probably the only reason I can think of for them doing it is you know to still give everybody an opportunity to make a little bit of money or get a little bit of a payday, assuming that they are you know still going to give out a WrestleMania payday with everything that's gone on because you know they've scrapped. Um, you know some of the some of the the things that they would normally would do because of you know the restrictions and things that are in place. So I feel like the only you've had to almost put um, put it across two days just to kind of fit everybody on without it being a a separate you know fucking fifteen hour show. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you're quite right. When uh, one of the other points I had was was about the the both the battle royals have been dropped, um, which makes a lot of sense because just purely because of the number of participants, but. Like you say, that's a lot of wrestlers suddenly who aren't going to be there on the card. So I take your point. I never considered it like that. But uh, they probably are having to put it over two days just to fit everyone in without doing like a battle royal or, or something along that line. But uh, it, I, I do have a lot of sympathy for the situation they're in. It's going to be, this is like their biggest event of the year and it's going to be a really hard thing to, to do. Um, it is such a shame. I think like I it's know, something uh, obviously we look forward to every year. It's like our big, you know, it's our Super Bowl, isn't it? WrestleMania is the Super Bowl of, of the wrestling uh, industry, and it's something that we obviously um, count down to every year to have this, you know, moment where we get together and and watch it, and and to have it kind of split over two separate days. And I, I don't know, you know, and it's in, a, in the performance center. I think it's only in the performance center. Although I did hear some. Uh, Murmurs of them maybe doing two separate locations. I'm not sure if you've heard anything on that. Um, well, I've not heard about about. It makes a bit of sense in some senses the, to the rumor I heard, which um, I'll go into. I know it's sort of bleeding over different points, but I, one of the other points I had for the for the ringside report was that they were going to be pre-taping some elements of it. Um, so when when uh, they're referring to different locations, it might be some mm-hmm. element of that where some of the stuff, some of the segments are going to show aren't from the performance center, but they've sort of taped it where they could, or um, I, I don't know what the, the pre-taped elements are going to be. Um, maybe it's just them trying to get a leg up and going, right, well, these two people can come down this day, so we'll get that recorded and boxed off. Or, well, I think one uh, of the biggest other. talking points, you know, that I wanted to get across on on this segment was um, in terms of, of what they're taping and how they're taping it, like where it has it is that they're actually going to, you know, from – from last from this week onwards, really, um, they're going to start kind of bulk or batch taping things, um, like taping multiple episodes of Raw and things like that, so they don't have to keep setting up each each and every time. But one of the big interesting points of that is apparently they're going to be taping the post Mania Raw before they've actually taped WrestleMania. Oh, sorry, oh sorry, before before the actual Say WrestleMania what? show. I'm assuming it's live. Well, if I know it's yeah. not, they are taping WrestleMania, so I think. That itself, I, I'm really worried that you know it's going to be spoiled for us because I was worried enough that the fact that they were taping WrestleMania, but if they're taping the the post Raw, uh, the post Mania Mania Raw, then yeah, there's a yeah, there's a lot there that can be leaked. And what we've seen as well is that stuff can get out. I mean, look at the footage that got leaked of um, that SmackDown where. 
they they'd stopped in the ad break and that got leaked out. So it's not like it doesn't happen. Um, so it, it does massively increase the potential for that. The fact that uh, they're both pre-recorded, but the fact that we could get a spoiler for post Mania Raw that ruins Mania for us. It's it's we're gonna there's gonna be a lot of avoiding social media. That well, that's what, that's what I mean. It's <laughs> gonna be so difficult, especially for for us doing doing this line of thing with the, with the podcast and trying to you know scour. What, what's going on to, to talk about these segments. And then, you know, I'm just really worried I'm going to stumble across something, which, you know, it's obviously going to ruin it. But it's just, it's it's crazy times, isn't it? It's, it's unprecedented. And I suppose we just got to kind of roll with the punches with it and just take it as it comes. But I really hope it doesn't get spoiled. And I really hope, I really hope that they do go all out with it. So similar to what AEW did with Dynamite and they put on the best show they could. Well, I think, didn't AEW hey. go all in? Um <laughs> well, I think the next the next pay per view is a uh, in out shake it all about. So um, you know, we're getting there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think as long as as long as it, it still feels like WrestleMania, you know, I don't want to see fucking performance center on the walls and stuff like that. Like, I want them to still go all in with a pyro. I want them to have a, like an element of a stage. It needs to feel different for a mania. Yeah, they need to. That's the thing because, like you say, and I think you're the nail on the head. This is. Our Super Bowl as wrestling fans. This is um like just to, to emphasize the um the level that the, the WrestleMania is at for, for wrestling fans. This is the one thing that always brought you and me back to wrestling. Even when we weren't watching it on a regular weekly basis, you get to the Royal Rumble and it'd be like, Well, we watch the Royal Rumble because they're always good. And then you build into to the road to WrestleMania and it always grab you. Every year it grab you, even if you weren't watching it on a weekly basis and and that you know it is a big show and they need to to make it feel like a big show as best they can i understand you know it, it's difficult there are restrictions now but even so if they're going to put the show on they're going to have to to try and make it feel as big and, as you know they can. what better way to put on a big show than to have the big show um <laughs> uh, yeah that, that's a fair point i think um they might take us quite literal uh when we say yeah. put on a big show and that's probably the solution right there. <laughs> just put, put them on, on just show. put them on all all matches, both days. What more can you want? <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, I think that pretty much sums up all the uh, the sort of news and rumours around Mania. Um, so, one, the next one I've got is actually, it's a bit, I don't know if you technically call it news. I just found it interesting. It's something I'm going to be looking out for out of curiosity. But uh, I read uh, an article that's... Um, uh, not because I forgot where I read it, but for the sake of anonymity for, for, for the article itself, um, that what the suggestion is, is that there's, and this hasn't been substantiated, but the suggestion is that uh, Vinnie Mac himself has sort of done away with the 10 count. Um, and I'll explain that by saying, even when the referee does a count out, he apparently he would now hold at eight and they never actually get to the to the 10 they don't let them get to the tent because when they're going out of the ring, it's usually to do a big spot. So it basically the article was just emphasizing the fact that it's become a bit useless because they'll linger on the eight or they'll they'll sort of slow the count down as much as you can because the big spot's happening anyway. Um so it's become a bit of a what's the point in even doing it kind of thing. And you see it less and less. And and the idea is that it's just slowly being abolished by Vinnie Mac, really. Um and it's not something I've noticed. But obviously, we see a lot of out of the ring action these days, so it's something I'll be looking out for on the next one. I'll be honest. But uh, what do you I mean? Of that it's, one? it's it's bizarre, isn't it? I think it's 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 probably true because it's such a Vince thing to do. But I think um, I think 
It is a really good point <laughs> because I can't remember the last time there's been some stuff going on on the outside and then one of the, usually the heel, let's be honest, one of them kind of rolls back in the ring for a split second to break the count and then comes back out. I can't remember the last time I ever saw that really on WWE. So maybe, I don't know, maybe... Yeah, it's a I'm guessing shame, it's really. just because Vince probably doesn't want, you know, to have to explain to people why they're rolling back in the ring and out. It's just let it take place on the outside and then once they're done, bring it back on the inside. So, but yeah, it just seems, it seems like a weird one. You know, if, if that is the case, then you may as well just bloody abolish the count because if <laughs> it, it means nothing. That's the thing. I think I think um, to put the pressure on the referee to not count too fast or to just end up holding it. So you had like your normal eight count and then another fucking 10 that haven't been counted. It'd just be a bit useless, wouldn't it? So if they're gonna, if they are gonna fuck around with it, then they might as well just drop it. But at the same time, I think it misses a little bit when you've got that intensity of trying to get back in the ring. Um, you know, it, I don't know, I don't know how to feel about it. It's not a big deal, as it were, but it's just another example of WWE sort of doing whatever they want with the rules. Sometimes mm. they're there, sometimes they're not. I think it's one of them. I don't, I can't ever see it being abolished because I do feel like you, you'll always get to that point where you don't want to have either wrestler in the match kind of lose out. So it's always a good tactic to end up, you know, having it result in a count out means that, you know, both participants end up strong. So I think maybe it's just more of a, from a day-to-day standpoint, don't put any emphasis on it, but then, you know, they'll probably use it tactically as they need to, to do certain kind of finishes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a fair point. Um, yeah. So again, just, uh, it's a, not so much a news thing. That was just something I wanted to sort of bring up really, because I read it. Um, and the next one, I suppose, is it masquerades as news. And this is kind of one of the reasons I want to mention it, because I've seen a lot of clickbait at the minute over CM Punk, uh, which typically happens once a year. But um, I don't know if you've seen any of these, Carl, but they do make me laugh because it's like, it's always phrased like, will CM Punk be uh, returning at WrestleMania? And then you click the link and it's, <laughs> no, no, we won't. Uh, <laughs> it's like, thanks, pricks. Um so uh, from what I can see, from the many, uh, and I haven't clicked them all, by the way, I'm not, I'm not someone who falls for it that often, but uh, I have clicked a couple. And from what I can see, no one's saying there is any suggestion that he is coming back. However, um, I thought it might be a nice talking point of, do you think we could see a punk return or maybe a big name return just to add a little bit more impact to a, a weakened mania? Um, honestly, no. I think, I think um, WWE don't kind of I can't I can't see them putting that level of um you know surprise or big name into WrestleMania this year just with all the the circumstances. I think quite conversely to what AEW did by unveiling two brand new debuting superstars. I don't think really WWE are gonna do anything wholly like shocking this year with it. I think you might potentially get, you know, Hogan or someone like that come back for a little thing, but <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Um but no, I, I don't think. I definitely don't think we'll see Punk. Um, I feel like that's something which, which it needs the crowd reaction, really. Um, just because. To be- <laughs> I know, yeah, I don't know. We, we kind of saw him come back without a crowd when he came to WWE backstage, oh, and true. no one gave a shit. So um, yeah, I take your point. It, it, it'd be very, uh, very limp if he come back. I mean, it'd be the most Punk thing ever, won't it? Of him kind of coming back, getting involved in something, then just disappearing and never being seen again. <laughs> After all this blows over, he just never comes back in front of a crowd. Yeah. Or to be honest, immediately throw well, in the Yeah, I mean, that's definitely very Punk. But I think, to your point, on the, uh, <laughs> on, the on the clickbait <laughs> side of things, um, I have I have fallen for a couple. Not, not so much in the sense of 
of the ones you're saying there were like, um, did he contact uh, Punk over WrestleMania? No, no, he didn't. But like those really annoying ones where it's like, oh, you know, guess who's going to potentially be at WrestleMania? Click here to find out. And you click into it and it's a fucking 25, 30 slide fucking slideshow thing that you have to get all the way through. Um, and then at the very end, it's like uh, fucking Gronk. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, wasted, wasted my whole life to try and figure this out. <laughs> I'm, uh, I might. St- I think we should start introducing them <laughs> onto our social media. Guess who's going to be at WrestleMania and the big reveals like Roman Reigns. <laughs> like, ha, fucking got you. Um, but now, uh, to be honest, just to go slightly back to the punk, 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 punk point. Yeah. Um, I do wonder, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to add fuel to the whole punk fire because everyone, everyone goes, oh, will he come back? He'll never come back. And, you know, it, it's been going around for years and it doesn't necessarily have to be punk, but I could see them pulling something, you know, purely because I could see it almost as a reaction to how well received Dynamite was that they panic and throw money at somebody to come back. I really could. I'm trying to think who else would potentially be available to come back. I mean, I think, you know he's always available, <laughs> Sean Michaels. He, he don't even need money. He'll just go. Yeah, I yeah, think, okay. Triple H is asking. I think he's so. he's, he's literally <laughs> just permanently in character. Sean Michaels. He's just gyrating in the in the back on every show, and then every now and again, Triple H just you know sends him out, just quietly <laughs> muttering to himself. I'm just a sexy boy. It's like, and I think oh, he definitely does, again. He definitely does the high pitch bit on that oh, song as well, doesn't he? Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but like, I think. Oh yeah. You know, we're probably going to see Samoa Joe come back. I think, you know, we might see one one or two others who have been featured in storylines and things like that. But I, I really don't think we'll see anything kind of groundbreaking, which is a shame. I, do, I don't feel thus far WWE have reacted very well to the circumstances that have kind of fell upon them. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to be proved wrong, but I just don't see them doing anything monumental without there being a live crowd and a lot of eyeballs on it. And, you know, you could argue that there might be more eyeballs on it because everyone's stuck at home self-isolating and all this, that and the other. But I think, I don't know, I don't don't think it's going to be that. I think everyone else is probably feeling the same. It's not going to feel like a big grand WrestleMania with all these celebrities and all this kind of stuff. So I think it'll have less mainstream appeal. And I think WWE only cares about mainstream appeal. So I don't think they'll they'll waste a big mm. name or a big, you know, any, any anything too big on this year's menu. Yeah, I can see your point. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one, like when you mention about uh, a lot more people being at home, uh, which it sort of slightly leads me on to my next point, which I'll be honest, Carl, because we're both looking at the notes, um, not, to, not to break <laughs> the, uh, you know, behind the curtain kind of kind of deal but we're both looking at the notes and it's not on here so apologies for that call but um wwe are now offering the wwe network for free i I don't know how long for but you can certainly watch all the old wrestlemanias and this is since we got our free month you know the three months free that we uh, that we put out there on social media that that we jumped on um that i think it was a cricket or someone who were offering that out now Apparently, this is WWE themselves are going, okay, yeah, everyone's in a shit situation. You're all at home. Why not watch the WWE Network? So they're actually offering it just, you can just access it now for free. Um, but I don't know if that necessarily means for the most recent, like Mania 36, but um, it certainly seems you can watch all the old Manias and build yourself up a bit of hype. So um, it, it could be an interesting tactic for garnering a lot more viewers for it. But then, you know, it is a pay-per-view, so I don't know how they'd make money from doing that. So I can't imagine they'd put 
but they are yeah. putting WrestleMania on the network, aren't they? Yeah. So are they just is everyone just I mean, going to watch it for nothing? I'm guessing that if they've taken that approach, Seems you know, from a marketing standpoint, they probably had to offer it as a free month, and if that is the case, then you are going to get Mania for free. So fair play to them if they have. I mean, it's awesome PR for them to go, we're all in a shit situation, we're going to put on the best show we can and you're going to get to watch it for free. It's fucking boss PR for them. Um, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that they're only doing it for PR. I mean, I, I just hope that they do put on the best show they can and they don't just kind of half-ass it because it's in the performance centre. Mm. No, I take your point. As long as... Um, I mean, what worries me is... Um, <laughs> the, the like, well, we've got this person via Skype that they seem to rely on. Um, I say rely <laughs> on. Paige did it, so it bugged me. Um, but... I hope that they don't, like, we want to get as much stars as we can, but they're not physically here, so we're going to do this. I hope they don't kind of do that, to be honest. I think they need to take notes from Dynamite and go, we're trying to, we need to put on some good quality matches hmm. as much as we can. It is. I don't want it to is going to be on the, the a show, really interesting you know? point because they are going to be limited to the total number of people who can be in attendance. So even by them splitting it into two days, it doesn't leave much wiggle room for who they can actually have available. Um, That's the thing. I think that's probably why you might genuinely see um, Seth and Owens go at it without any interference. <laughs> it's like we can't, we can't come out to the ring. Maybe, but uh, no, it's uh, it, it's going to be. There's a lot, a lot that they have to work around. So it is, um, mm. it's going to be a difficult one for them. But we, we can only hold our hope. Um, what was I going to say next? Apologies, sorry, I was just going to be next note, which was um, something that we mentioned earlier about the uh, the learning the lesson from NXT. Um, I don't know where this next one's gone um, because obviously he was on SmackDown, but um, I read a suggestion that Roman was being monitored for um, the, the CO, uh, COVID mm. nineteen. Sorry, COVID nineteen. Um, so you'd imagine with concerns like that, they wouldn't have had him face to face with Goldberg. So I don't know whether that was just a rumor that that fell flat pretty quick. But um, again, something I read that uh, does worry you, doesn't it? Because obviously Roman's, as he likes to mention quite a lot, he's there day in, day out. So he could have quite <laughs> I think, passed um, that around. I mean, I don't know the full in, ins and outs of um, COVID-19 and, you know, what makes someone high risk for it and things like that. But, you know, obviously Roman has battled leukaemia on multiple occasions. and uh, I take your point. So it's not necessarily... Uh, you know, a possible contamination. It's just the fact that... Yeah, he's, he's potentially. So I don't know whether he's just high good. risk for it, but, I mean, it's definitely an interesting shout because, you know, they, they do all work in very, very close vicinity of each other, you know, literally beating each other up. So um, I think if, if anybody gets it in WWE or any kind of, you know, any of the other promotions, I think it's a it's a pretty bad sign because you just imagine it spreading like wildfire there. So they, they're definitely going to have to try and take some precautions, I think. The thing is, and this is the bit that worries me, um, especially in the context that you just put it in my head, that that Roman's at risk, a higher risk of contracting it, um, and it makes a lot of sense because that is what the. I mean, the, the, like certainly in the UK now, they're writing to everyone who has pre-existing conditions that um, that weaken them in that sense. Uh, so I can only imagine that he would be in in a position where he's going to have to be careful because he's he's literally like not long come away from it. Well, it's only talking months away from, yeah. from getting the all clear from the leukemia, isn't he? So um, for me, I think, it, it, is it not a bit too much of a risk having the possibility that someone could contaminate him? That's uh, he's, it's a big risk to take. I mean, being around you know, fair people. play to him as well, because he must, he must be very well aware of that risk and he's well within his right to just go, do you know what? Nah, I'm not doing oh, yeah, it, yeah. but seems like he's going to, you know, still carry on with it and yeah. stuff. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, fair enough to him. And like you say, I'm sure he understands the risks. And I admire the fact that he wants to put on a good show and wants to, to carry on and, and win the title again that he inevitably will do. Um, but yeah, to me, I'm just like, you know, sincerely, sincerely hope that uh, I, it was just one of those rumour mill things and there's there's no real risk for him. Well, the risk is very, very minimal or the same risk as anyone else because I wouldn't want a situation where he's putting himself that much at risk mm. just for, for our entertainment, to be honest with you. Um, so moving on to a less sour topic. <laughs> um just in a similar vein to Mania, uh, Dynamite have had to postpone Blood and Guts. Um, now, you might have seen a bit of interaction on this, uh, uh, people firing shots about it. And I think it was Jericho who came back and basically said the participants in the tournament, is it tournaments, in the match alone, it, uh, would exceed what they could do. So there's just no way they can have it under the current regs. Um so it, it, that's basically that. People are moaning about it, but they, whilst the situation is what it is, they, it's postponed indefinitely. Now, they're obviously still building to it. That feud's still building there. That, that match with the Elite versus the Circle is still very much happening. They're, they're talking about uh, Matt Hardy and Jericho going face-to-face next week, or well, this week as it is now. Um, so it's all still being built, but you, you, you worry now, don't you? And go, well, how long are they going to have to build it? Because we, well, that's it. I think it's, it's such a shame that now. they've had to cancel it. I think um, Blood and Guts, from what from what I know about it, is uh, AEW's version of War Games. You know, it was a, it was very much a, a dusty, you know, kind of match back in the day. So, you know, they're not allowed to use the term War Games, but effectively that's what it is. Two rings, big cage, um, and that, that's kind of the plan that, that they were going to go with for it. So it is such a shame that because of these restrictions, they're not allowed to go ahead with it because yeah. I did think that they did a really decent job. And it is a shame based on this week's Dynamite that they executed so well that they're not actually going to be able to feed off that and, and bring it full circle. So they are going to have to pivot quite a bit there. Um, I think what they're doing now with the Hardy Jericho thing, for example, is it's like how long can they keep it up for? Because, you know, there's no, there's no clear... You know, definition of when these restrictions are going to be lifted. So it's like, does it just get dropped altogether now and just get replanned for, you know, God knows how long in the future or just uncertain times? Isn't it? I think it, it certainly is. And for me, looking at the way dynamites are, they're very, they're very aware, as you, as you rightly pointed out earlier on uh, in this podcast. And um, because of that awareness, I think if it gets, if it moves on too long, I think they will, they will close the the feud down in a different way so that it's not carrying on and getting stale. Um, I think they will react as, as they need to. So it might be that we don't see either the match at all this year or we don't see it with necessarily the same, you know, the inner circle versus the elite. Um, it's all purely speculation, but the longer these things go on, the more you think we just can't, we can't possibly know what's going to happen mm-hmm. with, with these matches. Um, so moving on. Uh, the next one I wanted to mention was um, Braun Strowman uh, and Lance Archer having a bit of a back and forth on uh, on Twitter. Uh, and the reason I wanted to mention it is the back and forth, it felt more playful than anything. I don't think there's a true animosity between the two of them. But um, it makes you wonder, what's the purpose? Because don't be wrong, it'd be nice to see a match between the two. Um, I believe a lot of the Lance Archer fans would quite like to see that match. I don't know enough about Lance Archer, sadly. Uh, to be built on that side of it, but um, it, apparently there's a you know it'd be like oh that'd be that'd be brilliant to see, but um, you know the reality of it is we're not going to see it. There's no good working relationship between WWE and AEW anyway. Um, so I just wanted your opinion on on like 
what you thought of this little back and forth. And um, for me, I couldn't see the purpose of it because it's not like they're building towards uh, a, a match in any sort of way. Well, yeah, like, I think, I mean, I, I really like Braun Strowman as, you know, a character and I like what his kind of career trajectory has been and, you know, all that good stuff. But I get the impression he's a bit of a dick because... I mean, his his social media <laughs> presence is literally like he got into something um, around independent wrestlers who obviously are impacted by all this COVID nineteen stuff. Where you know they're independent contractors, really, they're not really covered by the fact that they they're literally not allowed to work. And basically, Braun's saying like, you know, was kicking off at that, saying, "Well, you know, fucking hell, I've I've." I fought tooth and nail to get to where I am and I didn't have to start a fucking GoFundMe page and all this kind of shit. And I was just when he was, he was talking about like, yeah, he was like, I didn't make any money doing that. So, you know, I I went back to basics and drove down to such and such a place with like $50 and all to me name. And now I am what I am. And it's like fucking hell. He just, he comes across as a bit of a twat to be fair. Um, And I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a massive advocate. I think, um, I was going to say, I'm not a massive advocate as well of um, like hunting in general. And I feel like, you know, the the way he puts himself across on social media is he gets into little, you know, flame wars with people that he can't seem to help himself but get involved in. And then the other the other half of him is just him shooting and killing fucking deer and God knows what else. So it's, I'm just like, I, I don't think he's the mm. best of people, <laughs> but, you know. Um, no, I can kind of see your point on on uh, what you're saying there, especially about the in- independent contractor element, because there wasn't a time, uh, there was a time not too long ago, should I say, where WWE was sort of keeping their stars as the independent contractors to avoid certain benefits and certain elements. And he very well could have been one of those people had it not been for the fact that they're desperately trying to make sure that no one wants to jump ship. Um, so he's in a fortunate position, but that if he'd have joined WWE at a different time, he would have been an independent contractor and probably been on the other side of it moaning. Um, so I think it's it, it's it's a stupid shot to take when um, you know th- this guy's selling merch and making money, so he's nothing to worry about. You know, it's it's a nice uh, it's a nice position to be in. It's easy to to be that way when you're on the other end of it. You know, uh, so yeah, I think just him. Him in general, the way his his demeanor and his the way he comes across on social media doesn't do him any favors. I think he's he's one of those guys who you know maybe you should just take a bit of a break from social media because I don't think it's going to help him in the long run. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, that being said, I, I wouldn't tell him to his face, but uh, yeah, I totally. I think agree. we should release a shirt that says "Get that These Hands" and then on the back, off social media, or or <laughs> or off the keyboard. Like <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I love it. I think that needs marketing straight away. Um, so the next bit I wanted to mention, and just purely because uh, I hate toxic fans. Uh, I've mentioned it a couple of times about people moaning about uh, WWE or WWE wrestling's fake, and it's like, yeah, that we we've all known that for a very long time. But um, anyway, we had uh, a bit of a little bit of a back and forth between Cody and a nameless fan. Uh, who I will remain nameless, um, who basically they're having a shot to saying about AEW's relying too heavily on former WWE talent. And Cody, and I'm, I am paraphrasing, but basically Cody come back essentially saying talent is talent and Dynamite don't care what their background is. They're not going to deliberately avoid someone because they were in WWE. And I think that's a, a really good way of looking at it. 
and we've seen a lot of former WWE talent come across, yeah. But if they're not doing it in the same way that TNA are doing it, where they're going, <laughs> you get a contract, you get a contract just because they're from WWE, then um, there's not a problem. But the way he's saying it is they're not just throwing contracts out there. They're carefully going, they're a talented person and we're going to have them. And imagine what we'd miss out on. We wouldn't have the likes of Brody Lee. We wouldn't have the likes of um, Matt Hardy and that coming across because while well, you're WWE, so you've got that brand on you, so we can't take it. It would be ridiculous. But um, it's nice to know that AWR are, are not just, you know, handing these out willy-nilly, that they are careful about it. But at the same time, that they're not just going to go, nah, fuck them, WWE. They're actually yeah, going, well, you're a talented person. It's- and let's be honest, Jericho and Cody are both WWE alumni and are very fucking talented. And they are like part of the founding uh, well, I mean, elements that's it. of you know, AEW. They're a, they're a brand new wrestling promotion. You know, they can't just form this promotion with... the. If, if they would have started day one and the only people signed to that roster were the likes of MJF, Darby Allen, people like that, you know, people wouldn't have tuned in because they were like, who who are they? So they, they, they have to sprinkle in that level of, you know, well-known names um, as well as up-and-coming new talent who can ultimately, you know, they're going to introduce that talent to a new audience and they're the kind of talent who eventually will get themselves over and become the new talent of the future. So... I think to your point, they're handling it really well. AEW, they're not just yeah. going like like the TNA route of okay, well we'll just sign this guy. He was in WWE, you know, about ten years ago, so people will know him. They they're bringing people in who are big stars, like the likes of Moxley, the likes of Jericho, you know, that are still current. They're not past it, um, and you know the the signing the likes of fucking yeah. Luke Harper, who's really underutilized, you know. It fucking Matt Hardy. Yeah, like I'm not being funny. If you if you'd never seen WWE before, you you you're more chance of damaging Luke by seeing WWE is the point I'm trying to get across. I suppose it, it doesn't go in in his favor that he's a former WWE talent yeah. because they fucking wasted him. So certain ones, it's like now I'd rather not be uh, now not be labeled with that company um, just because of the ridiculous time they had there. So uh, you know, it's not always a well, you know, we're going to get some viewership because of this. Don't get me wrong. Like, Jericho was a big draw and uh, Moxley was a massive draw. And let's be honest, it made a lot of sense putting the title on Jericho. Jericho, who was a massive name in WWE, putting the title on him was, like you say, it was getting people in and getting people watching. And that made sense. But then we build people up around him. And then now Mox has got the title, who again, not as big a name, but he was a former WWE name. But I can guarantee, or almost guarantee, the next person to take the title, the one who eventually takes Mox out, will be probably not no. be a WWE alumni. Um, you've, you've got me thinking actually now. Who who is going to be next? <laughs> who who is going to be the one to do it? But um, I I could see Hangman, you know, because he's building up really well as a fan favorite. I, think I could it'd see be him an interesting a dynamic Mox. because Hangman is, you know, the fans love him and. Moxley, the fans love him, so it's kind of I don't know who would play the heel, and I know AEW have come out and said they're not necessarily facing heels, but I you know, <laughs> you, you still you can't just have two tweeters yeah. fighting every week you do need an element of good guy, bad guy someone to root for, and someone to, I, to boo, so I could, um, I, that being said though you know, and I do think you, you do you can't totally avoid that dynamic you do need the good guy and bad guy a lot of the time I do think this is probably one of those instances where it could work I think if they had um, a more playful uh, match between the two where it's like they're both basically trying to out-badass each other, you know, 
that could work for me where neither of them are necessarily the bad guy hmm. but you're trying to find out who's who's the, the sort of biggest badass uh, in that sense because they both go for a very a similar gimmick in that sense like I, I suppose Mox is technically more hardcore in elements and and uh, Hangman's more of a, a stone cold kind of guy but uh, even so they're both in that sort of gritty element aren't they and um, I think that's probably one instance. I think for me, I've, I've, just been, I've been thinking about it then as, as we were talking. I, if I had to put my money on anyone right now, I I think Pac might be next. Yeah, I mean, Pac, yeah, to be fair, he's had a really good showing in, in his time in AEW. But the reason I probably wouldn't go for Pac if I had to bet now is just because they've put him into this, this death triangle. And they're oh. obviously building something here with the amount of trios that they are building up. Um, so I could see them. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they do from a trio standpoint, whether they actually announce some sort of tournament or some sort of trio titles. But I think even though there's a lot of trios, ultimately I kind of see their one as less of a trio and more of like a a little mini faction. So, yeah, yeah, so I'm hoping he does get his chance to Mm. be like the main event guy who he's got his posse of of those guys as well to kind of to back him up if, if he needs. But... Yeah, I think I can see this being a future um, podcast topic of, uh, book, you know, uh, fantasy book in the future of Dynamite uh, or AEW. <laughs> I, I think that'd be good fun, that, you know, fantasy bookings. Uh, that's definitely one for the future. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the endless possibilities there. And, and that shows you, though, because we are looking at, at, at talent in there now and going, you know, I mean, Certain people I couldn't see in the title scene just yet, but maybe they haven't got a workman's belt yet. They haven't got their IC title just yet. Um, but don't you think like people like, oh, God, like yeah, Darby definitely. Allen I think, could be um, doing with an IC it's title? It's one of them. I, I get why they haven't had one up to now, um, but I think as the roster continues to grow, and you know they are getting some bigger names now as well. You know, so I think it would be it would make a lot of sense oh, to yeah. introduce some sort of um, secondary strap. To it, and I think if they do build it, you know, with the prestige of the IC title, it's not just a a title to give someone a belt, but to actually have it as like the proper, you know, whoever holds this, whoever holds this title is like the fucking, you know, the workhorse of the company. Then I think it'll go down really well. Yeah, I I totally agree. And um, there's a lot of talent there that you you can feel it that they're not they're not like you know world champion level at this point. You know, it'd be weird to see Darby Allen with the with the main strap, but I think he would deserve something like a, an IC title or a European title or whatever they want to call it, whatever mid-card title they want to do. Mm. You could It makes sense to see him have a go at it, you know what I mean? But like right now, there's certain people who, whilst they are awesome, you couldn't see them up, up on, no. the, um, on, the, on the AEW title stage. <laughs> so that was a fun digression, Carl. So yeah, so Cody, uh, <laughs> Cody said some things on Twitter to someone else. <laughs> So um, the next one I've got is um, <laughs> nope. Kane Vasquez. <laughs> hope I said that right. Although, although I much um, prefer that, as... that pronunciation. No, uh, ah. uh, Velasquez. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Velasquez. <laughs> Kane Velasquez. I'll let it do the one else. Fuck you, Cal. <laughs> um, he have uh, he's a potentially spoiled uh, uh, return for Ronda Rousey. Uh, by all accounts, he put up a pick of the two of them in front of um, or at, at some sort of training centre or performance centre. But the the current mania sign could be seen in the background, which would suggest it was a very recent picture. Um, so a lot of people are going, well, the only reason they both could be there would be that they're going to uh, be appearing. 
Um, so the what do you think of the suggestion that I mean both Kane, <laughs> um, not I shouldn't say Kane, given that we've already got a Kane, both um, Vas Vasquez and uh, and Rousey could be uh, could be yeah, appearing. Maybe actually, um, I think when you mentioned before around like are they going to pull off some sort of big return or surprise? I mean Ronda, I actually could see. Um, I think you know they both got history here to make it worthwhile, haven't they? So I think. Velasquez is probably going to get involved in whatever the Mysterio fucking Andrade matches because let's face it, he's Mexican. Um, so, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, Vince is just there, like, look exactly. at his last name. So, he's uh, a Mexican, member of the Mexican medley. Um, he'll be involved in that in some degree. Probably throw Dominic in there as well for no reason. Um, and then obviously, you've got the whole Becky Shayna Baszler thing, and Ronda and Shayna yeah. are best buds in real life. So, um, obviously, Becky and Ronda have got that history, so I could see Ronda, you know, getting involved as, you, as a heel and being the next kind of folly for uh, Becky. See, I could actually see um, if if Ronda's going to come back on on some level to feud, I could actually see her coming back and you know flipping the uh, the script, as it were, and uh, you know have Shayna win the title and then uh, Ronda. Go for Shayna, mm. and everyone's like, "What? Your bezies? What's going on?" Um, especially with mm. uh, Becky sort of taking time out to marry Seth. Um, so yeah, I could actually potentially see maybe a bit of a run between them two, which would be an interesting feud to see. Uh, and <laughs> Becky will be, um, be happy with that. It's definitely prime for both of them to have a level of involvement on the show. <laughs> um, whether it, I think Ronda and Shayna will definitely be involved in some capacity if if she does make an appearance, whether that's you know to help Shayna win the belt or to kind of come down and confront Shayna and be, you know, and do something in that regard. Um, but yeah, in, interesting that they've been seen in front of the Mania sign. Like, I don't know how, how far in advance of Mania that was and things like that, whether it is just complete, you know, conjecture of, oh, the Biomania sign, it, it means this. But um, yeah, I mean, bearing in mind at this point, we already have our next Mania sign. So mm. it's not like it's impossible yeah. to be, to have been seen in front of it. Do you know what I mean? And and it not be related to it. Um, but I can see the point. It's likely that they might be. But even if they just sort of sat in the audience, <laughs> I mean, you'd probably spot them a mile off now, given that the lack of audience. But um, even if it's just an appearance in some capacity, um, I imagine if if Vasquez is is, uh, is going to be there, it'll be. Um, yeah, potentially building against. Mind you, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going against myself whilst I'm talking, but I'm like, oh, could oh, he God, be going for again? But uh, kind of, what would be the point? I don't know. They kind of rushed. They accidentally rushed through that, didn't they? I don't. I can't remember what the yeah, reason was. I think... but he sort of went right. That's that done. Was it? Was it for uh, one of the Saudi shows? I think it obviously Velasquez and um, Lesnar have got that history from UFC times. I think it was just a an opportunity to to give him a little bit of fucking pay-per-view money basically from well, a bit of that Saudi money but but I think there was an intent on um, on prolonging it a little bit not any to any great deal but uh, I think the the delays in actually getting back from Saudi at the time um, caused some issues over over the ability to, to put anything further mm. on between them um, from what I recall but uh, they certainly it was kind of a one-time deal and, and wasn't visited all too long which is not like uh, WWE so I could I could see uh, yeah Potentially, I'm just squaring up with Brock again, maybe. But that being said, if if what we hope happens and Drew batters him everywhere, <laughs> exactly. So, going, fingers crossed, he's nowhere near that really match. The best, is it? 
<laughs> yeah, with any luck. <laughs> like, like you say, I hope he's just in the uh, in the Mexican medley. Um, right, so the next bit we've got is uh, a, a little tidbit, really, is that uh, yeah, Jeff Hardy is... Yeah, I think, is I think this is quite big, really, back. because um, obviously Matt's now just gone and signed with AEW, so Jeff's back to being a single star again uh, properly, and... Um, this this old theme music is what he had when he had his WWE title run, and I know it's very fo- very fondly, uh, rem- you know, whenever people hear it, right, they kind yeah. of they remember almost like what peak Jeff Hardy in the WWE. So I think, yeah, it's a point. So it's not like original music in the sense of like the yeah. Hardy so I think theme. it's like it's original um, in the sense of like that it, it was, was the first one. time, like when he first had it all those years ago. Yeah. It was the first time he was like a single star, and they ended up pushing him to the moon. So I think it's to give him that music again. Is you know does that mean they're gonna he's gonna get similar treatment and he is gonna get that push? I think Vince has always been quite high on Jeff, not so much Matt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Jeff's always been quite high on ah, Jeff. As well. Yes, uh, that's the one. Oh no, Meth. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think uh, very interesting for Meth Hardy to um, have his old music. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, I mean, is he still gonna be able to do his silly I don't dance? know. He's, he's meant to be clean now. I think. I can't recall the music, you see. I can't recall the, the I mean, the it's, music, it starts so off the old kind of Hardy Boys so way, but then it's got, like, vocals, hasn't it? It's um, sort of like, can you see the writing on the wall? So like, can you see the writing on the wall? Etc. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I love it, so. I'll keep going. <laughs> um, yeah. Right, I, right. so uh, it'll still have a similar sort of tempo Although, to was it. that all the meth? Because he's quite an energetic so, fellow when he's running around, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> chasing things that weren't there so uh, yeah again it, like you say it could it be an indication of of you know he's going to go for a similar run he's going to go after I mean I'll be honest oh, yeah, yeah let's have fucking, a few what, what brand is he on so, uh, he's, he's definitely not getting right? pushed anywhere because fucking hell's been yeah. Corbin yeah. well to be fair it's Elias and Corbin isn't it so he was just a bit player so I'm hoping he's not with Corbin I'm hoping it's like you know He's just passing on by, um, but it, to be fair, you know, I, I would quite happily see uh, Jeff taking a run at Roman if mm. Roman wins the title. It definitely Kobe, be a change of pace for it. It's a, it's a different feud for Roman instead of just big guy versus big guy. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, I can see Roman <laughs> struggling with this. Like, Stay still. I only have three moves. But uh, yeah, I, I would quite happily if they're going to give him a push. Uh, I would quite happily like to see uh, quite happily see that push after Mania when uh, when Roman gets the title. I think I'd, I'd, I'd quite happily see that feud build. I don't know how they would instigate it, but yeah. Um, right. So the next one is um, I'll precursor this one, Carl. Did you know the talented man that is Chris Jericho, uh, as well as being a, a geography teacher, a rock singer, uh, and a professional wrestler, he has. Um, just a, a small little oh, really? podcast. I wonder whether we inspired him. Heard of. Uh, are you aware of this? Yeah, I th- I think so. I mean, I'm sure we've been around longer, um, and uh, I, you know, hope he does well with it. I hope he gets some followers. Ah, see, uh, but yeah, he's that's, called that's it Talk Is though. Jericho, which I, I is think nice. You should have called it um, Y to the J. I think that has a better better ring to it. Hey, yeah. that that yeah, that would yeah, with it with a two instead of. <laughs> The, 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 yeah, that, that, I think that worked really well. Um, <laughs> to be honest, oh, with his like new it. gimmick, he could have called it the Podmaker. But uh, hey, but yeah, joking aside, he's uh, recently had uh, Mahari on 
talk as Jericho, which um, sadly, Carl, I've yet to listen to. So I've only got. Um, so I didn't listen to the whole show, but I listened uh, did you to, listen the, to the, the, to the specific segment with Matt and, and Jericho. Are you happy to give us a, a run through then? Because you're probably. I, I've sort of read up more than listen to and uh, it is on my list of, of podcasts to listen to but um you're probably more more equipped to to run through yeah yeah so what, it's, what it's the, ultimately the matt was kind was of um, discussing okay you know him winding down his contract and the options that he had available to him and you know effectively he said that um he he pitched idea after idea um in his time in wwe and he just wanted that creative freedom to 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 get get himself um something different and and he literally pitched so many different ideas and just none of them res- uh, resonated uh, from a creative standpoint with Vince um so obviously he he contemplated potentially going to NXT um but then he said you know ultimately like he said if Triple H was actually in charge he could have quite possibly seen himself go into NXT but he basically said ultimately it's it it's the same boss so you know even though NXT is Triple H's baby. It's still Vince who's got the final say on things. And it just seems like Vince just didn't get the whole broken gimmick and, and you know, what Hardy was trying to get across and just shot down every single idea that he had. Um, so ultimately, Hardy made the decision that he'd be able to kind of express his creativity um, more and have more control over his character and things in AEW, which I think we'll both agree is is the right move. Yeah, I mean, I think we actually made that point, didn't we? That when uh, when in one of our previous uh, ringside reports, it was suggested that he could be going to NXT. I think we both agreed that uh, if he if he's wanting the creative freedom, the right place to go would be AEW or outside of WWE. Um, so I think that he's definitely made the right choice, and it's interesting to see that those were the reasons. Um, I have cited mm. Matt previously as a very creative guy. I actually rate him more than Jeff, um, and. I, I do think he was stagnating in, in WWE. Uh, it's a good place to go for a paycheck, don't get me wrong, but um, you could see that he wants to express himself. And not a lot of people get the broken gimmick. I'll be honest, when it had its run in TNA originally, I didn't really get it. But, you know, I, I can get behind him as a character, but some of the stuff he was doing with the like the uh, the matches at the compound and, and Vanguard 1 and stuff like that, it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a behind the times. I don't know. But... Uh, you know, and the crowd really got behind it, and you can't fault that. That's ultimately how it works, isn't it? You know, people if people are getting behind it, if the audience are loving it, then that's what's making the money. And surprisingly, Vince is—I say surprisingly—it's not actually that shocking anymore. But Vince is—he's he, past it. He, what it, I've always found interesting is Vince has never got behind Matt as far as the Hardys go. Like you said, that you mentioned earlier, he's always been sort of like high on Jeff, and um, I. I don't know why he never really got behind. The, uh, don't be wrong, Matt. He's had some good pushes in the past, but um, he was never like propelled into the title scene like his brother was. No, I think and in I Vince's eyes, like when he looks at the Hardy Boys, he he just saw that Jeff did more flippy shit, and he was like, "Oh, the fans like some flippy shit." Yeah, you know, Jeff Jeff must be the good one. Um, and then you know, as soon as Vince forms an opinion, it's very hard for him to ever change his mind. So um, I think you know. <laughs> Well, that's it, and I think um, yeah, I think you, you've mentioned before thing. on previous podcasts around Matt's creativity. You know, it's not just the broken and woken gimmicks of late. Like he has done loads of different things. He had the Mattitude and the Version One, and you know that for his time was really creative. He had the you know he really leveraged WWE.com, which 
wasn't even a big thing back when he was doing that stuff and he had his little protege with a uh, Shannon Moore and stuff like that and uh, yeah so it's just like I don't know he's always, uh, know, do you remember he's always that, kind yeah. of excelled creatively I think you know Jeff's always just been a case of I can do some flippy moves and I can I can kind of dance with some neon lights and I can paint me face and that that's pretty much it and it, it, it's no no disrespect to Jeff he's a really good athlete but from from yeah no, well, that's the thing. In the ring, he's fantastic, but you don't really hear him on the mic too much. You don't really see much of his creativity, yeah. and that's because um, and I think, he, he pales in comparison you know, to his brother. To be able to reinvent yourself several times, that's why we think Jericho's so great. He, he's consistently reinventing himself and his character and his gimmick, and, you know, to a degree, you know, slightly slightly lesser degree, albeit, but, you know, Matt Hardy does the same thing with, all, with his gimmicks and, and the way he's refined his characters over the years. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree. And um, obviously, uh, we we love uh, Chris Jericho uh, as a wrestler. And whilst, like you say, it's probably not as 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 strong as as the way Jericho can reinvent himself. Matt does echo that sort of ability, and um, he's definitely a creative guy. And I think that's that's probably what the industry needs more than anything is creativity. You've got to move with the times. Or well, that's it. And I think you know, hopefully, it's a good fit for Matt and AEW. I think when TNA got Matt, and you know. The whole Matt thing blew up. They literally just invested everything in Matt Hardy. They had full episodes of fucking um, Impact that was dedicated to him and things like that. Whereas I feel like exactly. So I feel like you know. Oh yeah, they, they I don't think AEW will ever go that well. far, and I think that's a good thing. I think they'll give Matt the creative freedom to be able to do some different stuff, but at the same time, it won't just be the Matt Hardy show. And I think that's the right kind of balance that that we need. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, they can't go as as in as TNA, uh, but I I think AEW is a good place for them. It's interesting as well because it, by all accounts they've given them the freedom to do some new Japan stuff. So um, we're probably going to get a bit of uh, like yeah yeah. Uh, what is it? Wrestle Kingdom, I believe. They, is that their big big pay per view with New Japan? Um, so you, you could potentially see them getting to do a bit of that, which obviously. We got to see Jericho uh, do the painmaker stuff over there, and it was really it was good for Bill. Oh, yeah, fingers crossed. I think um, he's expressed obviously he's, he's really that. keen to perform in any kind of capacity on Wrestle Kingdom, and you know his new contract does allow him to do that. So fingers crossed they can do something to make it happen. Yeah, I'd be um, no. The future looks good for him, and uh, be be interesting to see. And I will definitely be listening to that that podcast. Um, it's interesting as well. That another little point I want to make is, despite how long ago Punk said it, and uh, I've not really said. Uh, a lot about punk. I'm not a massive fan of punk, but that being said, at the time he was saying a lot of things that that I'll, you know a lot of people were feeling. And it made a lot of sense. And um, whenever people mention about like basically like Matt's mentioned there that if Triple H was running it, uh, he'd be fine with it. Um, and it just echoes that sentiment that uh, that uh, punk made when he said that's the the place to be better off after Vince is dead. And it's a horrible thing to say, but because um, I don't I don't need <laughs> we don't need Vince to be dead. But he needs to to be very much hands off now. And whilst I don't agree with Punk when he was he was not in favour of of Triple H and the like either. And I don't know if that was more of a shoot than anything. Um, but it's interesting to see people echoing the similar sentiments that it's it's almost Vince hindering the show now. He's hindering people's creativity. He's hindering every. He, he, I mean, Moxley mentioned it in another interview, didn't he? That um, Vince had just come along and be like, basically, I'm changing this. This is happening, and you, you're going to have to do it. Um, and it's a shame because it seems Triple H has got his finger on the pulse, really. But he's well, I'm he's I'm baffled sort of because I thought once Vince um, launched the XFL, then he'd be a lot more hands off. But 
it doesn't seem to be the case from what I'm seeing. It seems like he's he's still very much involved and he's still got his fingers all over it. So I don't. Yeah, I mean, we're still hearing reports of him rocking up to to Raw. Uh, probably not, <laughs> probably not at the minute. But um, yeah, he was still sort of turning up and and having a look at what's going on and making changes last minute on everybody. And it's like. Fucking hell. <laughs> like, that's the worst thing in the world, isn't it? Like, you, you the big boss, they, like the CEO of the company just turns up and goes, nah, I'm changing that. Imagine in any other career that could... Imagine in, in either of our careers, Carl, that the, the CEO of the company just turns up, looks at directly um, at what you're doing and yeah. goes, no, I want you to change everything about it. It just... That, that would be such a... That would hinder the fuck out of you. And you're probably thinking... Yeah, that, that, oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. I <laughs> think um, that, you'd have to show slow you down, real kind of um, ability to be able to work that on the fly. So um, certain things, I think, get dropped and, and changed probably without any sort of pushback, really, which is a shame. Um, you know what? Honestly, I'm I not mean, sure. All, all I know about Heyman is days. that um, you know he's still involved to a degree and there's still a few superstars who are still classed as Paul Heyman guys. So I think Buddy Murphy and... Cedric Alexander and a couple of others apparently are, you know. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Int- I'm intrigued by um, by the amount of sway Heyman potentially has, purely because I've heard that he was fighting tooth and nail for Baszler to keep her push because Vince is not keen on it. Um, but she's keeping her push, well, so it makes you wonder whether he's he's able to get through to him. As I well. think you know. I mentioned on a, I, on I quite a like Heyman. I think he's a creative guy. As the well. way the elimination chamber unfolded, that was a Paul Heyman idea. It was one that he wanted to do um, a few years back with CM Punk, but it got kind of vetoed. So for them to you know allow them allow his idea to go ahead and kind of approach it in that sense, it, it must mean that he's definitely got some level of pull, especially if Vince isn't even that higher on the high on Baszler, you know, in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. Or even if it's not pull, but he's just he's got a way of explaining it to Vince or or you know talking around on certain ideas, but um, certain things can still come across, and that's why you see a bit of a mixed yeah. bag with WWE that some things are brilliant and some things are fucking awful. Um, so for me, that's pretty much um, the. Uh, no, the I think that pretty course. much covers Do you have anything else the, that, uh, that, uh, that I might have missed there, Awesome. Right, so uh, what we'll do then, we'll move on to um, our, our third segment, which, um, as hopefully you, everyone's getting familiar with, this is the one that, that changes week by week. Um, this week, we're trying something a little bit different uh, in the sense of... Oh, yeah, I'm dressed up as we popcorn. Are, we're going I'm to the movies, Cal. You coming? It's good shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so basically, this is A to the K of the movies, and um, it's something that... If uh, if we enjoy it or if we can see more mileage in it, we'll, we might do it again. Uh, maybe do specifically talk about one film in, in a bit more detail. But this week, what I want to do is just sort of, uh, in no particular order really, but just go through some of the some of the films that are based around wrestling that we um, that we love. Um, especially because it got me thinking. And um, if you don't mind, Carl, I'll start with with my first one. Um, because I, I heard about this quite recently. That's um, one of the films I loved as a kid, uh, and still love now. I would happily watch it again. <laughs> I've got it somewhere, um, totally legally downloaded somewhere. Um, and yeah. you and me both enjoyed it as teens. And that's uh, Ready to Rumble, which is very much a WCW film, right? Um, and the reason I want to mention this one first, and the reason it's kind of inspired me to do this segment, is apparently it's not a very popular film at all like with the wrestling community and I love it. It, it tweaks my nostalgia something shocking and uh, I think it's a really enjoyable film. It's just goofy as fuck, 
But um, it's even gone down as being classed as the nail in the coffin for WCW because this is when they were on on their way out the door, really. And it was like, yeah, that. And don't get me wrong, I see why because they then sought to put um, David Arquette in WCW with the fucking title. That probably didn't help. But um, yeah, I I love this film. And for anyone who's not seen it, I would recommend watching it. And essentially, and I think the reason I love it so much is because it's about two wrestling fans who then basically get embroiled in the world of wrestling. Um, it treats it as, as kayfabe is real. So, you know, the, their, um, their, their favorite wrestler is uh, betrayed and um, uh, the title stripped of him and he's kicked out of uh, the WCW and they set out on a mission to, to find him and bring him back to his glory. Uh, and it features a ton of wrestlers. I mean, the main, uh, some of the main names that you'll see are, are, that are still in the way in the industry today, the likes of Goldberg and the like. Um, but and we had Diamond Dallas Page, who's a, who's a legend. He was actually playing the bad guy in this. But uh, yeah, apparently it's not not that popular a film. But uh, I mean, what what did you think of it, Carl? I know. Um, I, I, I apologize oh, for yeah. speaking for the, you, but um, uh, I, it holds it holds a very very special place in my heart. Bit. I think um, came out in two thousand, so it was probably. When we, you know, we we were just formulating our our friendship at that point as we um, met met each other in high school around that time. So, well, exactly. So it's you know we're like eleven, twelve Actually, yeah, years we, old. I think we met both in that kind year, of we, um, aware of aware of the wrestling scene. Obviously, I've, I I was a a massive fan. Um, not necessarily of WCW. I did watch it, especially throughout the the Monday Night Wars. But as you mentioned, this was coming to the end of. Um, you know, it, it was like 2000, I think it, it ended in 2001, 2002, WCW. So um, it was coming towards the end, but I still knew all the kind of the main guys in it. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's as you said, it was silly, um, but it was just, it was hilarious. It was, uh, you know, to two 11, 12 year old kids, it was, what what more can you want from a, a movie? It had wrestling, it had comedy, it was slapstick. Um it had, you know, all all the, the the wrestlers in there that you'd, you know, grew up watching and um like does if I I really I really liked it. I'm I'm you know, I'm it's not gonna win an Oscar anytime soon, let let's be fucking honest. But you know, as far as a wrestling film goes, it was it was really good. I I, I still like yeah. it to this day. I think um yeah, me too. And that's the thing. And I don't know if I like it to this day on nostalgia, but um, I think what probably helps is the age we watched it at, because obviously at that point, I think we were both aspiring wrestlers, <laughs> which um, spoilers for everyone at home, that never happened. <laughs> but uh, we were both like, yeah, we're going to do that one day. And then we're watching a film about two people who fucking love wrestling. And then um, again, spoilers for the film, uh, end up becoming wrestlers. <laughs> so it's like, Look at that. That's like so relatable, not relatable, but relatable. Um, and I think that's probably what helped as well, because uh, as 11 as year old fanboys, that was a brilliant sort of plot, really, for us. Um, but again, I, I, I watched it what, a couple of months back and uh, and it was it's still really fun to watch. Um, again, like you say, it's not an Oscar winner. It's it's goofy as fuck. But um, it's brilliant. If you're, in, if you're into wrestling, if you loved WCW, you're going to see the likes of Sting, Goldberg, Diamond Dallas Page. Um, I think you see some people who don't talk in there, but I think, uh, I'm trying to remember half the wrestlers who were in there, but I think you even see a young Rey Mysterio knocking about in there. Um, not a lot of people have speaking parts, but there's a, a ton of WCW talents in there. Um, I have a fun Apparently fact for you, so. Carl, as well. Just pulled up Did you know there. I've John Cena is in this film? I pulled up Wikipedia just to remind myself. 
so I, I pulled it up and obviously you, you uh, fucking Wikipedia, Wikipedia <laughs> can tell you lies. So I did I did second like do a double take at this, but yeah, apparently he's in the film uncredited. I I, I really want to go and watch this film again right now. <laughs> yeah, he's um no I I, I have I I can confirm that. He, um, he's actually in the scene. There's a scene in there when um, basically the uh, the main guy who is essentially a rip off of, of Jerry the King because uh, he's quite literally Jimmy the King. Uh, he's uh, he's the sort of the wrestler who was betrayed at the beginning of the film. So he's he's setting out to sort of build up a, a stable, uh, as it were. So um, there's a scene when he goes to the gym to approach Goldberg um, to recruit Goldberg. And uh, John Cena is Ooh. uncredited, but he's one of the people in the gym working out in the background. And he's he's not in the shop for very long, but he's there. Uh, that is so yeah, fun absolutely fact, it's, mental. It's even got I'm just looking John as well, Cena and um, obviously I forgot film. Tony Schiavone. Definitely was, the, worth uh, a watch. was on commentary at the time um, <laughs> of WCW, so you'll get to see AEW's cur- current um, commentator <laughs> as part of this film as well. See, blows your mind. I mean, when you can see, like, this is the the, the surreal thing with it, like. You, you never knew where the, the wrestling world was going to go at the time, but got Bill Goldberg, the, the main man of uh, WCW, is now the one holding the Universal title, and you can see him in this film, a <laughs> WCW product, which obviously it's all owned by WWE now anyway, but whatever. Um, it's just crazy to crazy to think. But uh, yeah, very enjoyable film. I won't go too much into it because we've got a few to list, but um, if you're after just a, a light-hearted, goofy, not taking itself too serious kind of film, um, then this is this is the one for you. And uh, if you're yeah, so I think um, obviously we, we've gone through the. Uh, Carl, um, would you like to do the next one? You know, like a what's the word for it? Not not a not a documentary. Did the one? No. <laughs> so like a normal film. <laughs> Mockumentary. Yes, a fiction. Uh, so so we've gone through a fiction <laughs> film. The no, next um, one on the like list a, is, um, a fiction. It was a documentary. Um, some of you may have may have seen it before called uh, Beyond the Mat. Um, so this came out in 1999. Um, and I was obsessed with this film. So I think Ant- Ant- Anthony mentioned, um, you know, at the time we were both kind of wannabe wrestlers. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd eventually, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in, in future podcasts, I, I did kind of go down that route for a little bit of trying to learn how to be a pro wrestler. Um, but this was my kind of first first taste of like looking into behind the scenes of wrestling. And it was just absolutely fasc- like fascinating. Um, what I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen this as well, Anthony. Um, a couple of times. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest; it's not something I've gone back to in any sort of recent years. But um, I think probably off off your recommendation, I've uh, I've seen it. But um, like you say, it is it's 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 a fascinating watch. It's um, it yeah, it is very much. Is it biographical? Is that the right term? It is a very much a documentary style thing, isn't it? So, uh, depending on what you're after from a film, um, but it, 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 if you're interested in the industry and in in that sort of sense of of the yeah, sort of absolutely, the I of think the industry, um, it, I think what it's, what it's made it so interesting was it came it came at the wrestling industry from a number of different angles. So, you know, you've got the main guy who's who's doing this documentary. Um, you know, part of it is him getting like a behind the scenes in. Um, you know, Connecticut at the WWF at the time, corporate offices. Um, so you get to see him kind of with Vince and with like, um, I think at the time they are, uh, they've got Droz, who who was um, an up and coming wrestler uh, at that time. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, 
And it's like they've got they've got a scene in there oh, where Tyrells kind of comes in, and then they're trying to <laughs> basically saying that they're trying to come up with a gimmick for him. And you know, Droz happens to have the very unique skill of being able to regurgitate on command. Um, so obviously, there's a scene in there where Vince is saying, "Okay, then you know the cameras are on you. Go on, do it." And like um, basically, they say if if he can do this, they're going to call him Puke, <laughs> and that, that's going to be his wrestling name. So it's it's like he's, he's there trying to throw up in a in a bin. So it's like you got all, all this crazy <laughs> stuff, uh, but like behind the scenes of of stuff. And they also concentrate very heavily on Mick Foley, um, you know, in in this documentary and uh, like specifically around at the time was his feud with The Rock. Um, it's a real kind of behind the scenes showing the impact on his family, um, you know, because he takes a lot of bumps and a lot of high risk stuff and. You know, it's. I mean, I, I I don't want to. I think this is the thing. I mean, we've um, we've mentioned on uh, previous podcasts. I think it might have even been last week's about how Mick Foley is. He's. Uh, it was when we were actually doing our top ten wrestlers because I listed him because of his commitment to putting people over and what he's willing to put himself through. And I think this. Um, this yeah, sort of and I think um, that sort of. I don't want to say it's over sensationalized, but. You know, you do get to see the toll it takes on his family as well. Um, the specific example is uh, he's got a match with The Rock, which I think is a an I Quit match. And you know, this match, if if you've ever seen it, is is notorious for the fact that you know there was no no punches were pulled. Um, the, the, there's a there's a part of that match where The Rock literally bashes the shit out of uh, Mick Foley's skull with it with a steel chair, um, and. Meanwhile, his hands are behind his back and he's handcuffed. So um, there's no there's no stopping it with the hand and things like that. And obviously, you get to see after after the match, you know, his head's all busted open, he's bleeding, and his kids are there. And you know, as 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 a dad now, like if I I, I haven't actually watched it back since becoming a dad, but I think if I watch it back now, um, you know, from from memory, you just see like how upset and and stuff his kids are. I, I, they don't understand. I actually um I think I think if you watched it back now. Uh, it probably end up well exactly yeah. easy, right, to be honest, mate, because you end up a bit more soft and emotional with with kids anyway, don't you? You know what I mean? And I think it's harder to see stuff when you can relate to something so much more. Yeah, um, it makes it harder to watch. Definitely. So I think so I that's probably like, be quite um, a hard thing to see now. You know, you get to see senses. how it affects them as people. So it's it's kind of a you know behind the scenes of of how we got into wrestling stuff like that, and there's a few bits and bobs on the around that. So you have got the, the like the main mainstream stuff with behind the scenes in WWF at the time and also um kind of a biopic on foley then you've got the other side of wrestling so you've got um the indie scene so the they look at ecw specifically so at the time you know a lot of everything they did on their television show was you know it was filmed out of paul Heyman's mother's basement you know all the promos and stuff that's where that's where it took place and you know we've just been talking about paul Heyman. he's like one of the the lead writers on um <laughs> smackdown or, or wherever he is at the moment um today you know get, getting involved in, in everything and it's like to see his kind of where he started to put his own company over and stuff like that and you get to see the whole behind the scenes is he's shooting promos while his mum's doing ironing in the background you know it it's it's crazy to watch um considering what we know now and, and where it all went so you get to see the rise of ecw you've also got um even earlier than that uh of a wrestling school i think it i think it happens to be the, the same wrestling school that john cena came from but effectively, um, you get to see, you know, a guy who owns a wrestling school and he's got two hot right. prospects who have got tryouts with the WWF. Um, and at the time, Jim Ross was their 
kind of head of talent relations. So he's the one who's kind of monitoring them. So they go out and have a dark match and it's around like, you know, they're both working real jobs because they can't supplement themselves um, from, you know, they, they just they just want to become famous and want to become WWE wrestlers. So it's kind of, you get to follow along with their journey all the way through to the other side of former wrestlers who, you know, have, have come into either their, the end of their career, which, you know, in this case, it's with Terry Funk, who has retired about six or seven times. I think he's still probably having matches to this day. Yeah, fucking God knows how old he is, but, you know, about how hard it is for, for him to leave the business. And then also Jake the Snake, where, you know, he's had quite a few demons in his life and you get that kind of really raw, um, you know, documentary of, of, of him and his life and the impact like drugs has had on him as, as a person on, on his relationship with his kids and his family and all in all for a wrestling fan, you just get to see the business from every angle. And, you know, it's, it's had some criticism, um, you know, like the, whether how kind of genuine it is or like the, the portrayal of the wrestling industry and, and things like that. But, you know, for me, I, I still see this as one of the, one of the best wrestling movies that has ever been really just to, especially again, watching it at that, at that age that I watched it. And, you know, before everyone knew everything about the whole business, it was, you know, to have that insight and to see the whole inner workings and how it all happens. It's it's just a fantastic movie. If you've not seen it, I do highly recommend it. It's still relevant to this day. Um, and yeah, all in all, it's just, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think you uh, I don't think I could uh, contribute anything, Carl. I think you've summed that up perfectly. <laughs> in all fairness but um, again it, for us and this is sort of the, the crux of this list it, it's a must watch if you're a wrestling fan um, so the next one uh, I'll talk about uh, is um, is actually quite a recent one and, and quite a British one and that is uh, Fighting With My Family which um, is basically a, a I want to say a fictionalisation of Paige's life and her introduction into the into the world of WWE I don't know how much is accurate, which is why I'll call it a fictionalization because obviously it's been it's been made. Um, uh, so there's people playing characters here, so it's it's not going to be a documentary style film, but it is based on a lot of actual events. So um, this could, for those who don't know, Paige, obviously she is um, she is a British girl. Um, she comes from uh, from a family of wrestlers, and um, basically, it just shows sort of her life being raised with them, be always being involved in wrestling. They had their own sort of um, smaller. Oh, that is a I don't great question. What their, um, their wrestling, uh, I actually don't know. <laughs> no, it's no problem. But basically, they had their own their own small time wrestling company. They would put on shows locally, um, and she would always be involved with her dad, with her brothers, with her mum. Um, and then the big thing for them was to be called up to the WWE. Uh, so the film covers her and her brother being called up to to the WWE, um, and then obviously it covers the the difficulty that was had between the family when her brother didn't make it, but she did. She went to developmental. She went to the NXT. Uh, well, I think that's probably where some of the fictionalized elements come in because she went to the the NXT brand, and I don't know if NXT was actually fully formed at that point when she in real life um i could be wrong on that but because she was quite an early wrestler I don't, I, i'm i'm not sure whether she was actually in developmental and then nxt started to exist uh, but again it, minor minor digressions there um yeah and then it just covers her rise um to being the the youngest ever uh, divas champion as it was at the time um 
this film is a very interesting watch. Um, it shows that she has got a very interesting life. Um, I certainly learned things about her that I didn't know. Um, it was actually really pushed quite heavily by The Rock, who I believe, um, I, I want to say producer in some mm-hmm. element, but he, he was sort of heavily behind. It's a WWE Studios product, but The Rock was heavily behind getting this off the ground, and he was all for this story. Um, and obviously he features in the film, along with a, a couple of other wrestlers. I think The Big Show and, and Sheamus, surprisingly, had a, had a scene in there as well. But um, yeah, it's just, it's a fantastic watch. It's, it's a real, um, it's a feel-good film, really, I suppose. Um, it adds that extra... Uh, element to it that you know it's it's true on some level, but um, you get to see her go from from where she was right up to the to the to the top that a woman wrestler could go at the time, and um, again a fantastic film. And yeah, um, I, I think, think I think uh, you've, any, you've any absolutely any nailed it. Um, it's it's uh, probably the most recent film that we've got um, on on our list, and I think it is a it's just a fantastic film. So I think the backstory to this was I think The Rock was shooting something over in London. Uh, I'm not sure if it was one of the Fast Fast and Furious movies or something. And basically this... <laughs> yeah, without okay. being there, um, I think it was so Fast I think he 6, was basically in a hotel really room. A lot in he couldn't London get to sleep. He was flicking over the channels and um, he found himself on Channel 4 and just so happened to be watching the real-life documentary called Fighting With My Family, which was about the wrestling family, the, the Beavis family. Um and he was just fascinated by it. And obviously this is way before, you know, Paige ever got signed and things like that. But um, obviously he was he was really fascinated by that. And was like, wow, that this will make a, a great movie someday. Um, and then little, little did we know how events would transpire. Um, and obviously for both The Rock and for Paige. But um, yeah, I, th- I mean, I, there's certainly bits of it were embellished, I think, um, as you've said, once, once she actually came over to the States and, you know, all that kind of stuff, I think was... A little bit embellished but you know for the most part it is literally just about this crazy wrestling family you know imagine it's, it's, it's kind of like the hearts in a sense you know they're the uk version of the hearts who just got brought up into this kind of you know i, I think she is i think she is a bit of a gypsy yeah. I, I, I don't think she'd mind us saying that i think her family you know is is you know a family of gypsies who are wrestlers and you know to spend your life from such a young age kind of living that life and you know with, with your brother and the rest of your siblings who want to become wrestlers and then to kind of go through all that only for the heartbreak yeah, of I mean, your brother not making it and then you end up just being sent off to this country on your own at like 19 years old or however young she was you know it's she's been on a hell of a journey yeah and to be fair i think um part of the film as well it really covers her struggle with that of like trying to fit in but trying not to lose herself which is um i think is handled really well in the film um I, I, just another note, because it's come to me when you were, when you were saying about her family, is that um, it, it does uh, it, it shows you her dad as well, and it, it, it's a shame because I'd like to know more about her dad because of this film, because um, they make comments in the film that essentially wrestling saved his life because he was, uh, and again, I don't think anyone would have an issue with us mentioning this because it's covered in the film, but he was uh, a criminal before that. Um, he done time in prison. He, um, he, you know, he makes no bones about the fact that he he'd committed burglaries and and the like. And and um, he was heading down that path and um, meeting his wife and and starting this this wrestling company together as a family is what saved him. And uh, I think that in itself is is fascinating enough. But then when you yeah, couple it with, agreed. with um, pages rising, definitely, to definitely check it out. Well, um, I think film. it's it's probably available now on on local streaming services. <laughs> 
I think um, it's currently <laughs> available on on Netflix. Uh, if if you're not already subscribed, I believe it's nine ninety nine a month. Um, I've done that before. I could be wrong. They, they move the prices so much. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it is actually on Netflix because um, yeah. So the next it. one on my list is another uh, documentary style. Um, um, and then Carl, do you want to go over the next one? Uh, watch is um, wrestling with shadows, and it's uh, it's Bret Hart's kind of self produced documentary. So. It is, it's really fascinating, this film. It's a kind of... I think it's crazy, really, you know, because this is filmed leading up to the Montreal Screwjob. Um, and it's mad that he would just so happen to be recording his life at this point and making this documentary while all this transpired. But, you know, considering everything that went on, it's so... It's crazy to kind of knowing what happened to follow along um, with this documentary. And it, it covers everything from how he got started in the business and, you know, his, his first, you know, from Stampede days working for his dad through um, his first few matches in the WWF at the time to um, all the way up to is basically, as you know, WCW were kicking WWF's ass in the, in the ratings. And Vince basically came out to Brett and said, you know, I can't afford to pay you anymore. Um, so this is kind of in, in the big lead up to, you know, the decision that Brett had to make of, okay, well, they can't pay me. I'm going to have to go to WCW, even though he didn't want to, and tried everything to make it work. And it just so happened that this was all kind of captured on, you know, the documentary he was yeah. filming at the time. So it is, it's a really incredible watch. But one of the highlights of, of it is um, <laughs> you get to see post-Screwjob of... So for anyone who doesn't know the story, which I'd be, you know, be surprised if you don't, but the Montreal Screwjob was effectively... Brett, uh, Brett was the champ. He was going to WCW and he was having a fight, um, a match with Shawn Michaels. And he he had creative, creative control in his contract. And he said, I'm not going to lose the title in Montreal because you've, you know, I've got creative control. I'm happy to drop the title the next night. Um you know, just let me go out the way that I want to go out. And Vince was like, yeah, fine. Little did he know, he got Sean Earl Hebner, who was the ref, a few other of the uh, agents, you know, very, very, not many people knew about it. And they basically got Sean to put the sharpshooter on Brett and then the referee calls for the bell um, and basically just steals the title off Brett, you know. And yes, wrestling's fake. Yes, it's predetermined. But obviously... You know, within Brett's contract, he had creative control. He wasn't meant to lose the match that night, and Vince just took it into his own hands. So, what you do get to see on this is after that match, um, you know, Vince kind of locks himself away. Brett's in the locker room, and eventually Vince comes in to kind of try and talk to him. And <laughs> there's a scene where basically Brett tells the cameraman, "Yeah, you might want to turn the camera off." And you just it cuts when it comes back on. You just see Vince being held up by, I think it's Pat Patterson and Joe Briscoe. Um, and he's just, he's, he's out of it. <laughs> and it goes back to Brett and he goes, yeah, somehow Vince may have fell into my hand. <laughs> and basically, <laughs> basically uh, Brett then reveals that he, uh, he knocked Vince out, Vince McMahon out with one punch. <laughs> um, and he was like, that's, that's the way his dad would have dealt with it. He got screwed over, you know, he had to give him a punch and then just be done with it. You know, obviously he was never done with it. He harboured that grudge and he probably still does to this day, you know, for a long, long time. But yeah, well, exactly. But um, I just think it's such a fantastic watch. Oh, yeah. um, I think he's still a little I think, to be honest, me. you can just watch it on YouTube now. I think it's just, it's it's up there for people to watch. So, um, so definitely, definitely check it out. But yeah, really, really good documentary. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'll have to admit, this is one I, really I haven't seen. 
Um, I will certainly be giving it a watch off your recommendation, Carl, because it sounds fascinating. Um, but when we were putting the list together, I noticed this one on the list, and I was like, you know what, I've not seen that one. But I thought, that that'll add a bit to this segment, so I'll uh, I'll I'll find out what it's about. So um, that's certainly one I'll be watching. Um, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe slightly. It sounds like a, a fascinating thing, and it seems you have a bit of an affinity for the documentary style. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so what we'll do, Carl, because um, so we've got ten minutes left of the cast, um, so we'll end on the next one if you're okay with it. Because um, I, I I don't know about yourself, but I've been enjoying the segment, so it's certainly mm-hmm. something we might do again. Again, might be going to more detail <laughs> on some we've already talked about. Maybe add a few more in that sort of thing. But uh, I think we'll go to the movies again, certainly. Uh, <laughs> so um, the last one for the night is, um, and it's got to be worth it. Is the wrestler starting with uh, the reason? closest thing we've got to a, a sort of a, a yeah. Rocky type film for the wrestling industry. Um, obviously, the later, the later Rockies, because it's it's about, you know, the, the, the guy who's, you know, past it, as it were, and just wants to another shot of glory, as it, you know, that sort of storyline. <laughs> so it, it kind of very much covers um, Rocky 201 or whatever it was, it was where he, he was old and wants to come back. But um, but it has that that sort of it's not a goofy film. It's completely fictional, but it's very gritty and it's a very enjoyable film. Um, it's been a while since I've seen it, in all honesty. But um, I, I, again, it's 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 a very enjoyable film. It, it's got quite. I, I'm trying to desperately trying to remember the ending, but I feel like it's either a very ambiguous ending or a very sad ending in the sense of of um, you know he, he gets to live his yeah. Moments, so so but, it's ambiguous. Uh, I think um, so for anyone who, who kind of hasn't seen it, it's, uh, I'm trying to recall. <laughs> so, uh, kind of similar to what I was mentioning about Terry Funk in the uh, sorry, the yeah, Roma, spoilers. Uh, documentary is, you know, <laughs> as we know in the wrestling business, once you get into it, it's really hard to just let it go and to retire um, and just kind of be done with it. Like once you're a wrestler, you, you are a wrestler, and you can't, you, you know, the you, wrestlers kind of cling on to it and they just can't. They don't know when is enough because it's all they've ever known. And this kind of tells the. The story about um, the Ram, I think, is a is his character name in this, and effectively, he is he was big at one point in time. Um, he's now at the point where you know his career is very long gone. He's he's working the convention scene, doing like autographs for like you know five dollars a time and stuff like that. And uh, they basically, you know, he can't let it go, and they they basically try and drum up interest to do like a rematch of of his biggest ever um match that he was involved in so it's kind of he he's still doing this but um to try and make money any way he can he's he's no longer in the in the heyday of like the wwfs if you will but he's more like in the the indie scene but like um doing hardcore matches and getting stapled in the head and stuff like that he's it's like similar to the likes of like i i was thinking of people like sabu and you know, stuff like that has kind of reminded me of that. And especially Terry Funk is, is, is the biggest, um, you know, connection I can make. Yeah, I, I think it's almost, yeah, I mean, and it is, you know, I, it's, I don't know this it for is a heartbreaking fact, but you imagine the cold I, I remember, inspiration from um, the likes of Terry you know, the Funk late Roddy Piper, who's one of my favourites. I remember he said when he watched this, you know, it brought him to tears. Like he literally, he wept watching it because he could relate to it so much as, you know, yeah, I imagine it, exactly. it must be much more poignant when you've been but in the to, industry. Um, to to like your say, point before, where you mentioned about the ending and stuff like that, is basically like, he, how do you leave something got, like that? Um, 
like a, like a heart condition um, that's obviously been brought on from all the years in, in the ring and probably from, you know, steroid abuse and stuff. I think it's alluded to. Um, yeah, I don't think the out and out say it, but there's that yeah, suggestion. Yeah, so I think it? it's Which, like, um, you know, he's, obviously was he's right had a few incidents where, probably like, still is on some level you know, he's, he's fainted and passed out and had heart troubles and he's basically been told, like, you need to stop, but he just can't bring himself to stop. So, you know... Um, Spoilers, you know, if it hasn't been spoiled already, is like the the, <laughs> the, uh, the film basically ends where you know that match, that rematch does go ahead, <laughs> Sorry. You know, the, the match from his heyday, um, and it gets quite a good audience there, and it, you know he's in his element. Yeah, it's on, it's it's on a pretty big stage, at least in comparison to what he was, you know, where he has been yeah, working. It's on that big stage, yeah. Exactly, and yeah, basically well, in, it's, it's in the middle of the ring, it's kind of alluded it, to it, that he's almost had another, another heart attack mid-match. Yeah. You know, he's 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 like uh, getting all dizzy and hazy, and like his opponent's even saying, "Are you okay?" kind of thing, and he just he he he, he nod, nods it on, and then he gets to the top of top rope, and you know, it's it's finishing moves like a diving elbow drop or like a diving axe, uh, double axe handle or something like that, and. It kind of finishes with him on the top rope, just jumping off. So I'm guessing the they're alluding to that he probably is going to have a heart attack and die after that. But um, it's never explicitly, you know, said. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's one of those films that it, it probably will bring a tear to you. Like it's um, it is that sort of emotional sort of film, but a fantastic film. And um, I, again, like in terms of that sort of. That emotional level, it's the closest thing we've got to to a Rocky type of film for for, for wrestling. Um, uh, certainly, that, that that's sort of how, because I love the Rocky films, so that's how I sort of relate to it in that sense. But, yeah, uh, definitely. I think, yeah, again, um, another one, I think. It's you know, it's, it's crit- critically acclaimed as well. It's been nominated. I think it was even Oscar nominated for Mickey Rock um, from a Best Actor perspective. I'm not sure whether the actual um, film got a nomination, but it's honestly, it is, it is really good. Um, so you should definitely check it out if you've not seen it. <laughs> yeah, and again, without sounding like I'm plugging a certain company, I believe that is also available on Netflix at the moment. <laughs> um, and as I say, that there are plenty more we could go through. Um, this segment, if if it's something that I think people are enjoying and something that that we're certainly enjoying, is something that I would like to do again. Um, certainly, an idea I've had going forward is potentially ones films or uh, films that we enjoy or big films that involve a lot of wrestlers um citing an example of like the longest yard for instance that sort of thing um you know to expand the, the sort of the realm of the a to the k of the movies out but that is um just something we're toying with at the moment but one thing um, that uh, one thing obviously that, uh, if you enjoy this sort of segment you know, the first film which was ready media. to rumble you know um, i wonder whether there'd be any kind of cool. um people would be up for us doing almost like a little watch along to that where both you and i watch it together and kind of uh podcast us while we watch it and react to it as you know 30 something year olds yeah i mean certainly i would certainly be up for that so um again if if it's something i mean i will probably do that anyway because it sounds like a lot of fun but uh, yeah I, certainly this sort of segment and this sort of thing is uh, is i think something that we'll probably will revisit again down the line and um Boo. unfortunately guys i know you're going to be gutted but uh, this is the end of this week's <laughs> podcast so uh, I know. Don't shed a tear. We'll be back next week. <laughs> so uh, yes, we that's will. it from me, Thank you all uh, again, Carl. And, uh, I will hope you enjoy. Uh, well, I'll probably speak to you a lot sooner than that, but we will certainly be back next week, mate.